Hi, I'm Thomas Cross Hoops, and I'm a seeker of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In my pursuit of truth, truth found me, and now I can't stop following him. Join me and my guests as we pursue truth together. Draft (laughs) 2.0. I have Kevin Bennett, French accent, Piano Man 69. Apparently that's an old handle. We'll, We'll work on a new one. He's a musician, comedian, novelist. He's got SEO writer. He's still coaching me on what that is. I'm still not sure. A truth teller, follower of Christ. He's too cheap for a blue check mark, and he's an overall good guy. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing all right. I'm just, you know, taking care of business, uh, doing what I can with what I got, where I'm at on a daily basis. How about That's you? That's all you can do, right? Right. We're working. We just, uh, I looked disheveled because we had a, uh, we had a hailstorm in central Florida and I had little month old chicks outside. I had to go rescue and I am wet, 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 but I got the hat, got the sweater. I'm good to go. (laughs) Well, that's, that's good that you're doing, uh, chickens. That's, we need more people doing more sort of livestock stuff like that. Yeah. I can't wait bring you down to Florida sometime. We'll get you into some local comedy clubs, and you could come get some fresh eggs and uh, tour Central Florida with me here. Hey, I do want to say, whoever's running the app at Riverside, I may be a fuddy-duddy, but I was doing it right. (laughs) You've got some issues with your mobile app, Riverside. StreamYard and Zoom are out there. Y'all need to get your your poop in a group, all right? On, a, on Android, on Apple, it seems to be working well, but we'll forget about well, that. Well, you know, the Apple's got a little Chinese kid inside the phone, you know. They shrink them down in the, <laughs> in the death factories over in – listen, this is – I'm on a Mac. The, the, this is a Mac computer, so it's the same thing. I'm not – it's weird because I've always preferred the Apple brand, but then Steve Jobs went to be with Jesus or the devil, who knows, and uh, now Tim Cook's running the operation, and he's like, well, I'm gay, so I can be a fascist. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, you can. Go ahead. <laughs> That's the truth of the matter, though. Apple, oh, I never heard that I, one. <laughs> for real, look into it. Look into Tim Cook. He's the, um, he's the runner of Apple, and Apple uses um, labor camps, forced labor, uh, in the production of their components in China. So, yeah. Sucks because I like I do like Apple better as far as computers go. I, I've never liked Windows. And Bill Gates is a vaccine peddling pedo. So what do you do? What do you do? And then you got what do you what? There's no so, you can't uh, win. Uh, so, I'm bright red. So for the audience, we started this a week and a half ago. Had some we had a really nice conversation for about an hour and a half, but we had some internet problems. So we are doing another version. We are having a conversation. We talked all about, and we'll, we'll go back into some detail, Kevin's life, upbringing, how he found his faith in Christ. And uh, obviously God gave him a radar for truth. He, he really stands on truth, believes in truth, searched truth out to really come to that place of, um, you know, he believed in the concept and the Bible and Jesus and God, but the, the Bible as God's word, I think it took him graduating college. He told the story of how he just really searched it out and, and came to that place of truly believing it. And now he has a hard time hearing lies on the Internet, lies everywhere. YouTube kicked him out for being a truth teller. And 
Um, you know, we need yeah. more truth tellers out there. Um, he doesn't have the platform that Tim Pool or Joe Rogan has, so he didn't fight it. But he is growing his rumble. We'll have his channel up. And um, he is very unique. For, for He's a modern-day renaissance man. He's an artist. He's an author. He's uh, actually you do reenactments. Uh, do, do a little bit of everything. But he came to my um, attention on America's Got Talent. So we, we did talk about that story, and that was kind of cool. So, yeah, how are you doing? Um, you want to share a little bit about what got you from point A to point B? What what got you to your faith and your story? Uh, anything you want to say? Well, the good Lord's taking care of me. I'll say that much. That's a broad question. Um, <laughs> it is, it is. But he's taking care of me, and that despite myself, because I tend to get, I'm not, nobody's perfect. You know, that's one thing I love about Scripture is the, the biblical heroes are real heroes. You know, David, you know, he messed up with Bathsheba, and God did not edit that out. That's one of the reasons you know it's authentic is because the real people act like real people, and they have victories and defeats. But what's great about God is despite the fact that people screw it up regularly like a clock, that's about the only consistent thing about mankind is we're going to screw it up, he's with us anyway. Because God knows we are imperfect beings in a cursed universe. And that's something that really helped me out. Um, I, I got a BA in theater, and I've always believed in Jesus. But as a kid, I didn't necessarily... It took me, like you said, wrestling with the issues in college to come to the conclusion that Scripture is the inerrant Word of God, that it's a note from God to humanity, from the uh, programmer of the simulated reality we live in to the players of the game. And Christ came into the video game like the programmer playing his own... Uh, character he created himself and won the game so that the rest of us could transition into eternity. Uh, he changed the nature of it from the inside out and that's a great thing. Um, I didn't realize the depth and accuracy and an errant truth of scripture until I was forced to contend for it with a bunch of lefties in college who didn't... Basically, it's not that they really thought about it or looked into it. They just liked... Uh, having sex and stuff outside of wedlock. They just liked messing around, and they didn't want to feel guilty for it. And that, We're all like that. We all, I don't think there's anybody on the earth who does not have some pet vice that they like to rationalize, myself included. We're all like that. The difference is, when you follow Jesus, you know that's an aspect of the sin nature, and you fight against it, and you, you win victories, and he helps you get through it. When you don't follow Jesus, you become a slave to your own fleshy desire nature, and that's what Paul's talking about in Romans. So for me... When I was in college, I had to wrestle with that, and I had to fight with that. And I had it wasn't until 2007 when I encountered Kent Hovind for the first time, and I saw his uh, seminars, and he went over where the Bible came from. And then later in 2008, I saw uh, uh, what's his name, Walter Veith. He's a South African German, and the German he talks about where our Bibles come from, the battle of the Bibles, and this is how he sounds. Because German South Africans sound like that. It's weird. It's like Australian mixed with German. And it's just a strange sort of thing. So he talks all about that. And then um, Chuck Messler does as well. And I followed these guys. Oh, hey. And uh, when I followed That's them. Willem. Howdy, Willem. I, uh, I, I learned that uh, scripture is inerrant. God's word is real, and it's really his word, and it's accurate to the most minute detail. If, if we find something in scripture that you think is a contradiction, if you search deeper, you realize it's actually not a contradiction. For example, there's some so contradiction true. about the width of the bowl 
the pool that Solomon built, but it turns out you can measure from within the bowl or without the bowl. And the two differing accounts, one gives you the measurement from outside the bowl, it's so many hands long, the other from inside the bowl. And that gives you the width of the lip. So there's no contradiction there, there's additional information that's deliberately misconstrued by people who want to go back into their vices. That's what it is. So, um, so we That's, just had the South African. Give me something in your Scottish accent. I love your Scottish. Scotland's a whole different sort of thing. With Scotland, you got to roll your arse and you got to make sure and spit a little bit with your percussive vowels. And uh, I believe they call it consonant diphthongs. There, how a little bit of spit come out of there. And you roll your arse, you sit out like that. Out, out you get for the back of the throat there. And you think about William Wallace and the... Braveheart, but like that was an Australian who was American doing Scotland. I was like three degrees. That's like multiple inception layers. So you've got to get a wee bit deeper if you're really going to get at it. And there's different ways to be from Scotland. This is the old Scotland like you're going to hear on a television broadcast in the United States. If I was being from like Edinburgh, it's going to be more like this. It's a Glaswegian accent, the Glasgow. You can't understand what they're saying. They're throwing the front of the mouth. So they say the words so quick. You can't understand what's going on in the face. And uh, you just kind of got to go to the general intentionality of the person who seems to be supporting you, and then you understand what they're saying. Um, and then there's Count Dankula. I love Count Dankula. You can understand him. His real name's Matt Meacham. Um, and there's a guy named, I believe it's something Jordan, and he does the critical drinker. I like those those guys. They're more, they're easier to understand. Mine's more broguish. But anyway, I did South African, that's the Scottish. And what I was working up to with all that long, round, long-winded stuff on scripture um, you gotta go, buddy. There were fundamental go. things I misunderstood about Christianity that I didn't get to understand until later, um, and and one of them had to do with the death and resurrection. Mommy will of Christ. have to get it. It's in the fridge outside. Okay, go. See, you're busy. You're you. I, I feel you. I feel you. It's it's family's a full time job. I thought I was important. muted. Could you hear me? I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm still learning. No, this, stuff. this this doesn't mute so you. So I forgot you to lock the off. I had it muted, but when I moved my headset, it unmuted. I can edit this out. If not, it's real life. It's funny. So, yeah, I forgot to uh, lock the door. My wife is super pregnant. Kids are running around looking for food. So I think she's resting. Gotta, it's not don't don't, yet, don't so worry. I mean, being a dad comes first. Okay? No, being man. a dad comes first. No, no. We did a, a – he's just a wild man, my five-year-old. He's uh, he's a ninja. He was looking at the chickens in the office. I, I saved the babies, the month-olds, and they're in here. Fair enough. So, yeah, you, well, you definitely throw in that natural comedy into your daily conversation. And sometimes if people aren't you know, aware, they don't catch the quick wit, the quick jokes, because it might be jokes. Or you, you definitely joke about theology, about politics. I love it because you throw stuff in there and some of it goes over people's head. But, yeah, this will be an interesting interview because you still got the French accent to do. So we, we're going to have lots of them. You, you, you break out the character whenever you want. <laughs> My favorite um, Christian joke, and I think I told it last time, but um, you don't have to worry about Isaiah being written by two guys. You know he's got the Holy Spirit, because for Isaiah to spell his name correctly, you have to add an I. Anyway, that's that's a joke for pastors. That's not you can't tell that joke in the bar. They're they're gonna look at you like what? They're gonna drink more out of that, just because they don't like the joke, which the bartenders like. But it's not good for yourself. Anyway, what I was getting to, um, after college, after I investigated uh, Kent Hovind and Chuck Missler and Walter Veith and all these guys uh, that do what they do, I, uh, I, I was doing a Bible study 
in my apartment complex in Fort Collins. This is, um, I guess I graduated in 2008. This must have been 2009 or late 2008 even. And uh, the guys running it, it was an old pastor and he'd had some rough times. I think God put me in that situation and him in that situation. And he went over, now there's a doctrine that is summed up as once saved, always saved. And there's some very traditionalist Christians who won't believe that. I didn't believe that, but now I do. And the reason is, it's in, I believe it's Romans 6 or 14. It's one of those two, I read it today. It's the verse that says, neither height nor depth, nor life nor death, nor time, this, that, nothing can separate yep. us from the love of Jesus. Yep. And when Jesus died for our yep. sins, we weren't born yet. So he died for sins we, we weren't even around to commit yet, right? So right. the, the yep. idea that you can get saved by following Jesus and then lose your salvation. The only way you can lose your salvation, you can't lose it. You have to consciously, dedicatedly reject Christ right. after right. you already, and that's a different, that, that's a lot give different. it away. Yep. Yes. That's way different than accidentally yeah. rear-ending somebody in traffic and cussing so loud and then feeling so bad that you cuss that you have some right. drinks and then waking up with a hangover and getting in a bad... People, we're always going right. to have that happen to us no matter how close to Jesus we get because we're in a fallen world that's under the curse. So when I understood that right. salvation as a matter of asking Christ's um, forgiveness and accepting his death and resurrection as your personal Savior, that's something permanent unless you don't want it. That changed things for me. And that's very important. And Scripture is very clear about that. That's but exactly the problem right. It is, it's very clear. Yeah. Most of our um, modern world is used to a cultural Christianity that has nothing to do with God. And that's the problem. It's, you know, it's who's wearing the polo shirt, you know, who, who brought the casserole, that stuff. And that's not, Jesus doesn't care if you're good at casseroles. You know, he, he, he probably likes it if you're good at casseroles. If you're good at casseroles, Jesus is probably like, hey. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good casserole. But if you don't, if you can't do a green bean casserole, he's gonna be—he's not gonna be like, "All right, well, the hell with you, Phyllis." That's, that's not how that works. So you know, anyway. Uh. No, I love it, and you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, I mean, and, and I've always called it the finished works of the cross, and the Bible literally says Jesus died for the sins of the world, and to yeah. to break it down. It's not our sins that keep us from heaven or relationship with God or being sealed in heavenly places with Christ. It's our lack of, a, 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 you know, attributing Christ's righteousness to ourselves. You literally have to yeah. receive his righteousness. It's a gift. You just, you recognize your, I think that's the difference from the sheep and the goats. You recognize your need for a savior versus the self-righteous and the Pharisee, we don't need a savior. They think yeah. that their actions and their own ability or their, you know, A, you don't believe in it. You don't need a savior. There's no sin, all that stuff. But when you recognize that, in essence, the whole Old Testament showed us that we couldn't live up to the mark. Because I always said God's, God's, God's level is perfection. Well, we can't reach perfection, so he put us in Christ so we could come up to him. It says in you know, Revelation, come up here. You know, we're, we're supposed to spend yeah. time with him. That's why he put us in Christ. And then Christ and in us like gives us the ability to walk it out on earth. It's, and it's so true what you said, the, the self-righteousness of the modern era. And people think that Christians are self-righteous. 
you're right. It's not. It's it's the different. We know we're broken. Um, the problem is there are definitely some cultural groups that are like holier than thou, and and they're probably fakey preachers. But scripture's not like that. You look at our modern culture today. What's that lyric in that Lizzo song? I'm way too fine to be this stressed. No, you are not, Lizzo. You are. You should be much more. If you stressed yourself at the gym right now. You might you might not feel that oh hey it's like a weight has dropped off me like four people I mean there was she was she was doing some twerking thing and she jumped on the stage and I swear you could see the whole stadium shake I don't swear that's a joke but point being uh, our culture today tries to tell us oh what sin have I done that I need Jesus well sin is missed like you said it's missing the mark the word in Greek is hamartia so you can't miss the mark unless you're aiming at the mark. You know, you're trying to do it right, and you don't do it wrong because you're you're aiming the wrong way. You do it wrong because you're imperfect, and aiming is difficult. And we're, none of us are supposed right. to die. Not and it's, it's like you said, uh, right. Christ is Christ is faithful to complete the good work He started in us, and He knows exactly. it takes a while. I think it might be something like yep. this. It's like you and I are a lump of clay, and uh, and God says, "All right." Which of you lumps of clay wants to be a work of art? And we're all like, pick me, pick me. And he's like, all right. And then he takes us and he's got to carve us into the work of art. And then the other lumps of clay that don't pick him, well, they just get fat like Lizzo. <laughs> they just, they remain clay. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? The, the, the I think the difference is, uh, yep. Yeah, the pastor the when I go to church, he, he, you know, he describes it a, yeah, he describes it a good way. Basically, um, the difference is rather than strive, like this is what, ha it took me 41 years to get, and we talked about it last time, but rather than being on a linear, you know, motion where you're trying to progress to this greatness, Christ did it opposite. He literally made us perfect and holy and whole in one foul swoop. So our spirits are sealed in heavenly places. We're perfect as we are and not as we should be. And the rest mm -hmm. of our life and our sanctification is growing, not in trying to become more holy, growing in recognizing Christ's holiness in us and, of course, our bodies and our soulless realm are catching up to what's already been done in the spirit. So we're whole. As far as being, oh, you sinned, you did something you shouldn't, you're going, no. You're already, every sin you'll ever commit has already been dealt with on the cross once and for all. Jesus doesn't get re-crucified every time we sin. But we're going to sin less as we recognize who we really are, that we are royalty. We're, we're the priests and kings. We're sons of God. And we're whole in our spirit as we you know, receive Christ's righteousness because when, when we receive, everyone believes Christ for salvation, then they also have to believe Christ for sanctification, for, you know, for justification, for, for all of it. It's all Christ. It's nothing we do. Now our daily lives, our physical realm will change as we align ourselves with that truth. But, um, a, a boo-boo or looking at something you shouldn't or stop, you know, cursing out the neighbor isn't going to stop you from, you know, your heavenly relationship with God is just a sign of an area in your physical soulish realm that needs to line up, repent, renew your mind, change your thinking to line up with who you are in Christ. So our spirit is perfect and our, our physical realm is just working that out. And that makes sense. But you do a lot better when you realize your actions and your behaviors aren't dictating your identity. Your identity yeah, is dictated by Christ and what he did. Yeah, it is, yep. 100%. And the thing of it is, um, he's not, because the whole work is finished and we are 
like you said, time and space is a subset of the actual reality, if you will. Um, yeah. Because he's outside looking in, he's not looking for us in this corporeal, that means physical, imperfect realm to get it perfect. He's looking for us not to quit trying. You know, it says in right. Proverbs, a righteous man falls seven times and yet he rises, but the wicked fall into mischief. Which the connotation there is, you know, they just roll, the, they just snowball down the hill. The righteous man keeps going up that hill, even if it's hard, and he's, he missteps and falls a few times. And that's the thing. What, what this life, this sub-dimensional reality, and it is real. Simulation theory is inerrant in this respect. The idea of simulation theory is that this is all fake and nothing matters. Well, we're a subset of a greater reality, but everything we do here matters because the whole greater picture is outside time and space. And it's like, we're, it's like he made us and stuck us in the oven. And the oven is life, you know? Yeah. And that life right. oven, it's baking us into the permanent shape. So even though the oven is not the kitchen, it's not where the hors d'oeuvres are served, it's not where the meal is taking place, it's still a very real um, portion of the refining process. So we're getting refined. God yeah. is faithful to finish the works he started in us. And if you follow Jesus and you love Jesus, naturally you're going to want to try and be better. You're going to want to. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you may still make yeah. mistakes. You may still have vices, etc. But you're going to try and walk it back. You're going to try and fight it. You're going to try right. and keep picking yeah. yourself up. Whereas if you don't, you're you're just going to say, well, I'm a... I'm a perfect little daisy, and I'm too fine to be this dressed, even though I'm 600 pounds, you know? So, <laughs> that's the difference. I think we talked about it a little bit last time, but yeah, because I, I was like, we're going to have to have one of these late-night conversations just going all into all hours, talking about the quantum physics, and the, the you know, some of it's, we know what the word says, and we believe it, and some of it, now we're talking about things that aren't quite written down perfectly in the Bible, but understanding the, you know, philosophizing about how this crazy picture that Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth, and God's outside of time, and he allows us to go through these lives, and the reality is it is true. My dad always taught me that as a pastor, that, that our sanctification, our process on earth is building our character and our identity for ruling and reigning forever with God. So yeah. the, the short time on earth is part of that training and growing. And, and yeah, what you were just saying reminded me, our job isn't to be perfect. We are perfect in spirit. God says, be perfect as I am perfect. But our job is to rely on Christ. So right. I rely on Christ for my salvation. I rely on Christ for my sanctification. I rely on Christ for everything. And out of that relationship, the abiding comes the fruit. So one of my friends, Christian, he, he's like, Tom, you don't have to do that. The, you know, peace, patience, love, joy, the fruit. You don't make the fruit happen. The fruit happens when you abide on the vine. And it's like, wait a minute. That's true. So all, all we have to do is learn to abide with Christ, in Christ, Christ in us. And as we grow that relationship, and that's something that's, you know, at 41 is becoming more real and different to me, learning, you know, I love corporate worship. I love praise and worship and conferences and seeing the Holy Spirit move. And I love seeing God, hear God speak to us through preachers and all that's great. But what about the quiet time, alone time, the morning time? You talked about reading your Bible in the morning. What about just sitting on the paddleboard and staring off into the sky and letting God speak to your heart and nature? Like, we need more of that because without that oh, grounded, yeah. when nobody's looking, the, in, the God's literally desiring a beautiful relationship with each one of us. And, and the corporate part's great. 
I think somewhat on the Western church, they focus more on the corporate uh, worship than on the intimate personal worship. And uh, that's something that's important. You need both. Well, we're dealing Walter Veet on his, he's a seventh day Adventist who was a Catholic. And before that he was an evolutionary biologist and he calls his series total onslaught. And he's a seventh day Adventist. They're not perfect. None of us are. Total all I look for, does somebody really believe in Jesus and are they trying? Because we're all going to get stuff wrong. Uh, that's why we need the Bible. But uh, he called it total onslaught. And that's what we're dealing with. From technology to cultural religious institutions that have nothing to do with what Jesus wants. To political issues. To changes in the landscape economically to marital issues, to family issues, to health problems, to personal vices. We're, it's like being in a tornado. Um, and mm. there's stuff coming at us all the time. So you, you really do need to... But just like a tree in a big storm, if it's rooted, it won't be uprooted. And that's what we're doing. And when, they, when you're rooted, you're getting that water. That, like you said, the tree isn't thinking about producing the fruit. It produces the fruit as a byproduct of health. And when we're healthy, the only way for human beings to be healthy is to be rooted in the source that God designed for us. You and I, C.S. Lewis puts it this way, we're like a car engine. Or we're like a, we're like a car engine. We need to f run on fuel. Now, you can run that car engine on alcohol for a bit. You can run it on ethanol. But the fuel it's designed to run on is going to run the vehicle better, get better mileage, and the engine will last longer. When you run your, your eternal body on malevolent ideologies, um, okay, may, maybe it'll turn over and run for a few miles, but it's going to break down and blow up. You're going to lose all the value, and it's going to hurt you, and you didn't need to do that. You know, it's like not changing your oil. You don't change your oil, eventually the whole thing's going to seize up. You can do it for a while, and that's why it says in Scripture there is a sin unto death. Because, okay, and it says in Scripture... There is, a, there is a wisdom that's not following God. Yeah, those things are real. Bill Gates is following that. Um, there are people who get very successful, but it that, that also says, what, what profit is a man if he gains the world but loses his soul? So there are people that use this fake worldly wisdom, this demonic fuel, and yeah, they, they get rich and power. Because when turns out, when you lie, cheat, and steal, uh, people don't know who you are, uh, they don't realize you're going to stab them in the back, and then you get the money. But ill-gotten gains, when you have these things that you've gotten wickedly, basically it's like using one credit card to pay off another. The debt catches up with you, and the, and the repossessors come eventually. So you'll have a situation where you get an Enron, you know, and the, the whole Enron just implodes. You'll have a situation where, uh, where you're a Budweiser, and you're at the top. You're at the top. This happened since we did the podcast. You're you're at the very, or I think it, I don't know, but you're at the top top of Anheuser Busch, and then you you bring one in, and everybody's like, all right, I don't need that, uh, and then your global organization is crumbling. And I prayed to God, that, well, did they do that? No. Did they issue an apology? No. What what did they say? Oh, we messed up with this. Ad. Let's do one with one of the Clydesdales and hope they didn't notice. And everybody noticed. <laughs> did you see Joe? Did you see Joe Rogan's response to that? No, I didn't. I heard about it. It was what? hilarious. Oh, my gosh. He basically was like, 
I had a guest on. I didn't see. This is what's crazy, man. I, I, I replaced Andrew Womack, I told you about my favorite Bible teacher. I listened to him so much when I came back from uh, the missions field. And then I kind of started, I went back to college. I started filling my life with politics. And honestly, I have a lot of friends on Facebook from around the world. And I have a lot of people that unfollowed me years ago because I was very political for a while on, on Facebook. And, you know, for the last couple of years now, I want to be, you know, a, a light bringer, uh, you know, I want to point to Jesus. I want Facebook and my social media to be about my family, about God, Jesus, the podcast I started. And, you know, I'm trying to be positive. And there's a place for truth and linking to certain things and things may end up being political. But I just mean I was hurt and, you know, posting a lot of things. Some of them may have been just negative or down against the other party. And there's just a, a right way to look and talk about things. So either way. Um, and then I was listening to a lot of Ben Shapiro and then it was like, you know what, just too political. I mean, I, it wasn't peaceful. Right. So I was doing too. So Joe Rogan, someone I listen to a lot of the time because I enjoy his science stuff. I enjoy his political stuff. I enjoy his truth telling. But honestly, the last few months I've been going to this Bible school. I just honestly, I'm doing so many other things. I haven't been listening to straight, straight podcasts like I used to because I'm doing other things with my time, spending more time with my family. It's probably better, but I'll still see his yeah. stuff on social media. So I only saw a clip, but he was straight up like what you thought we wouldn't notice. Like this is the most ridiculous thing. It's the most cliched, ridiculous yeah. commercial. Didn't even have Bud Light in it. He was talking about how they were, you know, just trying to dig them out of, out of the hole with the horses. It was funny. Um, and he well, was just he laughing was, at the whole, you know, situation. But, yeah, before with that when, person, when I forget the name. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Vaney Mulva or whatever his name is. They had um, when he was yeah. on. I was being sneaky, but when when he he did that before, I do know this. Joe Rogan was like, ah, whatever. It wasn't until they tried to 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 be like, no, we're sorry. Here's a horse. That he was like, oh, hold right. on a second. Hold on, you stupid. Well, he thought that Dylan Mulvaney's just silly, and he didn't think yeah. it was a good idea to use as a, um, you know, why, why would you do that? You're, you're, he's saying yeah. Bud Light is for frat guys and athletes yeah. and action people. It's not for that type, so why would you go against your – so he just said it was silly. He thinks the person's a silly character. He's like, whatever. He didn't see the point that they should have used it, but he also didn't understand. He's like, I take it either way. I think, I think that person's just looking for attention, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was just laughing at the company for the big errors in, in making, oh, you know, yeah. obviously that wasn't their um, clientele. Well, and, and that's, that's what it goes to show, though. It doesn't matter how high you are up the chain. Um, there, there is, we, we are in an ephemeral world that's under a curse. And if you're not following god who's the, the destiny maker then it doesn't matter how high up the chain you get you're going to fall at some point even if you make it all the way through life and die a wicked old man um well you're in hell so what 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 did you gain and here's something else you realize as you get older um all these things these pleasures they're the only real pleasures are the ones god's made now there is no pleasure outside of god so even pleasures people get from, say, illicit substances, the reason that there is any good at all is because of God. But then they become addicted. And you can become addicted to food in the same way. That's why you have Lizzo. You know, she's morbidly obese. That's a food addiction like a cigarette addiction. It's the same thing. It's just, it's a, it's a different expression of the same problem. And that's being out of balance with your position in the world. But the only true pleasures are going to be in balance. 
There's a reason we work. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, it says. After the fall, because we are now mortal, not eternal, and we have knowledge. If you have knowledge and you're eternal, then you can get into that bad addicted habit and you become increasingly worse. It's like an upward spiral of wickedness. So there's a reason God had to do these things. Mm. One of the reasons we need to work and you have to sweat is because we're in a cursed environment. And to be in balance, to be in shape, to be healthy, you have to go out and do things. And when you work, when you drive 12 hours, when you work out in the field, when you stand up, when, when you don't just do the, the minimum possible to get by, then you sleep better because you're tired and you need it and you don't have to wait for two hours to fall asleep. When you eat, you don't have to count calories because you need the calories or you can't do the work. So you can eat what you want and you won't be a fat, dumpy Lizzo. You know? You, you, and even in music, like I'm a musician, I'm going to go tonight, and I, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of the Grateful Dead. They've got a few songs I like ideologically, spiritually, I don't like them. I do like playing with other musicians. And we, together, we make music, and I'm going to play with them uh, as long as they don't force me to do something I'm directly, morally against. I'll play the keys, and I might sing a harmony. But I'm going to pick up my keyboard. It's about 100 pounds. I got to load it in the car. I got to load it out of the car. I got to set it up. Just picking that stupid thing up, it's, it's a bit of a workout. I've got to drive a half hour, so I have to keep my car up, so I need to have insurance on my car. So I need to wash my car and clean my car every now and again. You see? So if you're just doing, if you're taking care of what God's blessed you with, if you're putting in the work, you're going to be in better shape, you're going to be healthier, you're going to be in balance, and you can enjoy those things. It's okay to have booze, as long as you're not an alcoholic. Paul said a little wine is good for the heart. Jesus said, I shall not drink of this wine, of the fruit of the vine again until I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. Which means there may be booze in heaven, according to Jesus. That doesn't mean there's going to be drunkenness. Because there's such a thing as moderation in all things. All things are allowed to me, but I shall not be brought under the control of any. Uh, all things are allowed to me, but not all things are expedient to me. So that's, that's what these, all these yeah. things are meant for us. God made them on purpose. But what happens is we get addicted without God. It's like that kid in kindergarten who only ate the paste or the crayons, right? So life is kindergarten. Death is the first grade. We're supposed to learn to do our ABCs and one, two, threes. But there's always that kid who just eats the crayons. That's a junkie. That's a Lizzo. That's Bill Gates. He's just over there eating crayons, okay? And, and he's gonna, maybe he's going to crap tie-dye, but it ain't healthy for him. And he's not going to learn how to read or write. God doesn't want us pooping tie-dye and eating crayons. He wants us to learn our ABCs and our one, two, threes so that we can run our own planet eternally, you know? So. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, I'm trying to think. Well, we're, we're going deep in all of this. So, so, that, so, talking about planets, I think we kind of mentioned it last time. I don't know why it was, I was this old when I realized probably the you know, the, the, the things that we thought were aliens in the world, the big pyramids and stuff, why did I not realize that was probably the, you know, half angel, half people? Like, I just realized that. I'm like, how did I not know that? I know you think about all that stuff. 
So the Nephilim well, probably were involved. They obviously had super technology, super, you know, intellectual abilities. Remember the Tower of Babel, God had to send them away with different voices so they couldn't partner to reach heaven. So they did all of these great things. It's Joe Rogan has guests on all the time that talk about these things all over the world, you know, four or 5,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. All those times had these amazing, and, and those civilizations were just gone. The Great Flood answers all of those questions about how oh, yeah. all of those great civilizations could have been gone and, and dealt with. And there's a Great Flood in every history and every people. So, so yeah, I, to think that it's, it's angelic super beings, not not aliens. What do you think about that? That were involved well, in all of these great structures. And I mean, I just saw something recently where they yeah. said it couldn't be built. Those like five thousand rocks that would have taken you know twenty years with a hundred bulldozers moving them at once. Like it was something insane that it would be nearly impossible. Like they have no you idea. How they got giant, it. A giant or technology we don't have now, or a combination of both. But yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, what we're what we're looking at, it says in Genesis six, the sons of God, and the actual term is Benihah Elohim, which is used elsewhere in Job and Jude, rule of threes, you know, three witnesses, to describe angels. So the people who don't who take the Sethite view, well, they're not looking at scripture. It says the sons of God came to the daughters of men and took wives, any whom they chose. And they had children, and the children became mighty men of old, men of great renown. In the Hebrew, the term Nephilim is used. It's plural. It means fallen. So uh, definitely I think that that's a, uh, makes a lot more sense than the Sethite view and more sense than the extraterrestrial view. And what we're dealing with, if you look at the simulation theory, um, imagine you're in Microsoft Word back in the day. This is going to be for older folks. I don't think... Generation Z even knows who Clippy the Paperclip is. You know who Clippy the Paperclip is. Imagine Clippy the Paperclip <laughs> got a bad attitude. That's all the devil is. He's a computer virus. That's what the fallen angels are. In the simulation of the reality God created, the devil went bad, took a third of the angels with him. It's like your computer went bad and a third of the programs left with it. But you've got all these files on there. You don't want to just delete when you reboot it. So Christ jumped into the computer and gave the files away, not to be screwed by the, the virus, if you will. But yeah, that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. So it's like is, the weed and the tear. I didn't even think about that until you just said it. Sorry, we cut out. Yeah. We're a little delayed, so it's hard for us to talk at the same time. And I was trying to just say something in between you. No, I got to learn yeah. how to like kind of interact with you instead of uh, it's my fault. So yeah, the weed and the tears. Duh. He wanted us to grow up, and then he would pull them out. It makes sense, right? With the way you're describing it. Well, and that's the thing. I'm sure if Jesus came back in our time, he'd probably use computer metaphors. But nobody would have understood a computer metaphor 2,000 years ago. They would understand wheat and tares. That's why he spoke like that. I use those metaphors with you because our audience probably won't understand agriculture. So that's the irony. We've gone full circle. But when we're talking about aliens, they're not, um, they're not aliens. They're alien to us in, in that they're intelligence, which is not human. But they're not alien to this space-time uh, coordinate in the universe, the galaxy, the solar system. They just inhabit a different dimensionality, kind of like Clippy the Paperclip is on your computer, even if he's something different. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what we're dealing with with the fallen yeah. angels, it's like a computer virus of whatever makes angelic DNA 
mixed with human DNA, and the result was a bunch of really buggy apps. And the flood was a sort of minimized mm. reboot. Um, but the problem is, fallen man can still go back and use those buggy apps. So it says there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. Post-flood, whatever spiritual shenanigans went, went on pre-flood, it returned. There's a different expression. I'm not God. I don't understand it all. But the extraterrestrial phenomenon, and Joe Rogan falls victim to this, but I think he's coming out of it because of simulation theory, which is why I hit on that so hard. That is a red herring. What it is, is it's a misdirection. It's, hey, look over here, look over here, and then the slap comes from that side. The aliens are misdirection, and evolutionary ideology is used to foster that misdirection by portraying this false religion. It's just pantheism and paganism mixed. Pantheism is worship of all things. Paganism is worship of multiple gods. Evolution says that all things are evolving and that we become gods. So they are taught, the students, us, our societies, are, we're taught to, to worship the creation rather than the creator, as it says in Romans 1. We're taught to look at animals and life and to revere it more than humankind. The people in Silicon Valley, Elon Musk was just talking about this. One of the guys who runs Cash App or something, I can't remember what, no, it's one of the guys who run, ran Open Source AI. He accused Elon Musk of being specious, of putting his own species above others. Yeah. And Elon Musk said, oh, oh you got me. Uh, I guess I'm a species. You, you got me. Which, because he was like, come on, dude, you're being crazy. But that's what the evolutionary ideology, that's what the domino effect implications are, which is that the mankind puts other creatures, which can't think and don't have the same sort of intelligence or level of conscience we do, we put them on the same plane. Man, uh, God was likened to uh, beasts and creeping things, uh, beasts of the field. Romans 1 is talking about evolution. The paganistic, self-centered ideal gives us the idea that everything just sort of came to be and just developed over time. And it's, not a, it's actually not a new ideology. It's an old heresy that's been repackaged. It's been rebranded. All evolution is is pantheism and paganism combined and rebranded. It's like if they poured... Coke and Pepsi together, and then called it Dr. Pepsi. That it's the same thing. They they mixed they mixed and matched. So the evolutionary ideology is here to be that distraction for the red herring of the Antichrist, which is probably going to be some sort of extraterrestrial thing. Uh, but it's not really an alien. It's a demon. If you actually go back and you look at um, the Aborigines in Australia, they've got cave paintings, and they will call these cave paintings demons. But if you look at the cave painting, it's an alien gray. Demons probably don't look like a little cloven hoofed thing with a pitchfork. They probably look like alien grays. We've just been taught to think of alien grays, oh, that's just an alien, not a demon. But Aleister Crowley, that horrible Satanist everybody knows about, really he was just a teenager who never matured because he was self-centered. That's, that's all these Satanists are. But he went and, and they, I, I don't know if your kid's in the room, so I'm going to clean it up. He took advantage of a man no, in no, an no, intimate no, way no. in the desert of Egypt, and apparently that called up Lem. So these perverse activities where you degrade your own soul for selfish gain, the computer virus of mm. demon ideology loves that. 
So it will reward that bad behavior mm. in a sort of spiritual Pavlovian sense. And then you get in this downward spiral. And that's what the devil's trying to do. He's uh, steal, kill, and destroy. And yeah. how does he do that? Well, he's a liar. From the beginning, he's been a liar. So what he's doing is he's lying to you. No, no, no. Yeah. That thing you know deep down is wrong. It's right. It's those polo-wearing casserole bean people that are wrong. Go out and do that sodomy. Yeah, go do it, says the devil. And then you get in a down, you get in a feedback loop that just gets worse and worse and worse and worse until you implode on yourself. Mm. So yeah, the alien phenomenon, the extraterrestrials, yeah. what we call ETs and UFOs, that exists, but it's not extraterrestrial. It is demonic, and the extraterrestrial veneer is the disguise that is worn so people don't see that. It's funny because, yeah, we're kind of, then you can take all of the, what's happening in the physical world and there's still the quantum physics and the spiritual dimensions. And now, yeah, the demonic whisper, it's literally lying spirits and whispering spirits that are within us and talk, think, you know, they try to confuse us. But yeah, what do they look like? I mean, I've physically seen something in the physical realm. I was in Beijing going through a lot of deliverance and had these things going around my room, literally blocking out the light in the wow. ceiling. Like, you know, crazy stuff. I've, wow. When I was in Africa, I saw some crazy stuff. It was like a movie where we were in a big congregation and out of a thousand people and about a third of the people just started manifesting like crazy stuff. It was like a movie. So yeah, I've seen some crazy stuff. This lady's eyes were like flicking back and forth and something inside of me rose up. And I was like, I, I literally said this cause I'd been listening to a lot of Andrew Womack and I was like, shut up. You will not draw attention to yourself in Jesus name. And the lady just froze and fell over. And I'm like, yeah, nuts. but we were there on an outreach and um, it was, it was so, so yeah. So, so, Here's something to think about. If if the if the human being, if we're the new being, the kinos, the new creation that's beyond human, I'm gonna send you that book. So I want to get your address later. It's you're gonna love this guy. You gotta get find his podcast, Justin Paul Abraham. This guy from okay. Wales, you're gonna love him. So we're this new creation. Well, our physical bodies are literally where heaven and earth meet, right? We're our spirit is the place where the spiritual realm of heaven can come be released on the heaven. So it's the same with the demonic. I didn't think about that because I had allowed a lot of demonic into my life. I had through actions and sin and behaviors and, for, you know, tr mostly trauma and orphan spirit, lies about identity, shame and guilt. Those things allow the demonic to work in your life. And I had it, man. I've, ex I mean, I had, I had a point in my life where I would have like, it felt like a festering wound in my back. It felt like there were hooks in my back. I would get prayer, I would get inner healing, but it wasn't until the deep rooted lies and the, you know, the truth came in and I got a lot of inner healing that that stopped happening. It was a long period of time. I, I mean, it felt like, like a massive talon from a pterodactyl or just a wound in my back. And it was like, it was like a festering wound. It was itchy, it was awful constant pain tightness muscles back problems um you know chiropractor issues but i i had you know anxiety depression you know spiritual lies in my mind absolutely and yeah as i grew and matured and replaced lies with truth and repented and got inner healing and deliverance it happened over time it was a for me it was a long period of learning and god told me i wouldn't wish that on anybody god told me it was you know, training as I'm going through healing, he's training me to help others not have to go through it that long. So yeah, to think about that, the, the physical world and our sin, my pastor always says that the, you know, if you're sealed in heavenly places and you're whole, you know, 
sin can't affect you, your spirit. And you, like you said, you're not going to lose your salvation. Sin affects your body. And the devil's trying to kill your body. He's literally at war with you trying to kill you. And our physical actions have effect in the physical realm. So even though Christ died for that sin, if I go get another DUI and crash and kill someone, I may go to jail or prison. There's consequences to sin if you get someone pregnant. There, you know, if you catch a disease, like there are consequences to sin. Not, and that's where we need to separate it from our identity. Because just because you've gone down those roads does not mean you're of any less value or um, importance to God the Father. It just means in the physical realm, you're not walking in your true kingdom identity. That's the whole purpose of the gospel is to bring, redeem, and restore people back to the Father, reconcile their hearts, and to know who they truly were created to be as children of God, to be the sons the whole earth is waiting to be revealed. But even as a believer, your actions can have effect, consequences on your body. And if you're a believer and you're going around cursing yourself all day, speaking untruths, you're going to, you know, I'm, you're down, you're depressed. Like those things can happen. And uh, that's why a lot of the Andrew Womack and Joyce Meyer kind of teaching is just retraining yourself in the word of God and, and speak truth and uh, come into alignment with what God's saying. And, you know, remember what God's done for you and, and all of those things like be, hold your tongue. I, I got this great book from my dad years ago, Derek Prince on, um, on, on the power of the tongue. And, and yeah, we curse ourselves over and over again. So, Coming into maturity and growing up, you learn not to do that. You come into God's truth. You shut the door on those things because that was another thing. There's deliverance ministries. There's things, places that focus on that. There's places that focus on the demonic and they want to call them names. And reality is when you close the door and deal with the reason they were there, like the orphan spirit, the lie, the shame, the guilt, they kind of just go away because they don't really have a right to be there. Like you said, the earth is right now being ruled by the demonic and the devil. However, Christ died and gave us back authority on the earth. We have the authority and we can release the presence and peace of God in the heavenly realms wherever we go. And when you meet more mature believers, I love, I've met some people that are just walking. They look younger than they are. They just walk in this peace. You know, you hug them and you start laughing like, whoa, what is that? Like they're just, they're just little Jesuses and we can all grow in that and be more mature in that area. But we're, we're talking about things, not a lot of people talk about this. You know, the, that idea yeah. that, that we are physical, but we are spiritual. The matrix really is real. And I always thought about it as bringing heaven to earth. But you're right. We can bring hell to earth, too. You know, why, why do you think, like, there's some crazy stat, like, an overwhelming majority of people that were, you know, that are child molesters were molested themselves. And it's almost like whatever that demonic spirit and that horrible trauma that happened to them it then becomes something feeding and eating in them. And, and you know, these are horrible things to talk about, but it's I'm broken when right? I have nothing to give. Like I'm realizing only God. Yeah. There's nothing you can do, but God, but God, I had a situation where someone I know and a young, young person was traumatized and I had nothing for him and I was broken. I was crying out to God. I want to be able to give you to them and bring peace and see the demonic come off that child. Because if you have to be an adult to understand what lie to break agreement with to get free, there's got to be some level of heaven coming out of us that can then do that for that kid and stand in the gap. Because a nine-year-old kid doesn't understand. They don't understand what right. they're doing, why they're doing it, what was done to them. And I was broken over it. And yeah, I want I want to grow in that where the Lord grows that presence and peace in me that I can, yeah. I can 
re- release it onto others because it's important. We need to bring peacemakers, um, you, you know, as well as pre- peace, you know, truth speakers. We need to be peacemakers and bring the truth. I heard someone say it like that. Like we're not called to make peace. We are called to be peace and bring peace where we go. We bring the peace of God with us. When God said peace on earth, goodwill towards men, he wasn't saying peace on earth like no wars. He was saying God made peace with the world through the sacrificial lamb once and for all. And, you know, that's our job is to come to the world and say, you know, you can't do it on your own. You're, you're never going to reach this level of perfection, but I made peace f- with you. I sacrificed my son. And, and it's, it's the gospel message that I did it. God did it. He made, He bridged the gap and he separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. And all we have to do is receive it. And rather than talk about us against the world and us against this and us against that, it's God for, it's us for the world. And sure, there are those, te- you know, those subjects we have to talk about and it, it can be tricky. But how do you talk about abortion and bring love for the woman that had the abortion and the baby. And how do you do it with dignity? Like, we don't have to be those pitchfork-carrying people with signs on the road, you know, yelling. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm getting at. There's a way to talk about things we don't agree with or sin issues or, you know, things, other political, you know, activists that we don't agree with without doing it. We, we got to do it in love, basically. And, yeah, we're well, growing in that. I know you are. I am. And you know, there's um, there's a balance to all things, and it says it in Ecclesiastes. You know, there's a season for everything. So when you were talking earlier about getting political online, I'm that way sometimes, a lot of times. But it's not, it's not because I have a dedicated thought. Okay, I'm going to do this. It's I see truth, I share it. Now, God doesn't always tell me to share it. I do put out a fleece for me. I pray over a coin and flip it. It's got nothing to do with the coin. It's got to do with, okay, God, I think this is right, but I'm not sure, so I'm going to ask you. You know the end from the beginning. You know what I'm going to do, why I'm going to do it, and where my heart's at. I don't know. Heads I do it, tails I don't, in Jesus' name, amen. And it says, um, the lot is cast in the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. So it's not that I have any faith or anything. I just need or any faith in, like, I don't have faith in this. I have faith in God. It's not that I don't have any faith in a coin. It's just a binary decision. But... Because there's a time and place for everything, because everything feeds in together in a, in a domino effect, and it's all interconnected, I want to do the best I can in these situations. So I pray over coin and flip it. Sometimes God wants you to shut up. Sometimes he wants you to talk until you can't talk anymore and pass out. I mean, Paul preached so long, some poor kid fell out a window and died, and they had to bring it back to life. I mean, that happened in, in the New Testament. So there's a time for that. But there's other times, like where, right. when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate, where he didn't say a word. So there are times to yeah. to fight your case, and there's times not to, and they're not always what you expect. Yeah. That's one of the reasons you gotta yeah. you gotta follow yeah. God. You gotta have, see. There's always a right and wrong that's absolute. The problem is because we're inside of time and we don't see the domino effect implications. We can't know, even if we're like really close to God, we still don't know the end from the beginning. Christ Himself said, "No man knoweth." the day or the hour that the Son of Man returns, only the, only the Father. So there are things in this corporeal realm we can't know. That's another reason you have to have right. faith in God and rely on it. So there is a time to be political. There is a time to be gentle. And somebody's telling you about the worst thing they've done in their life and it turns your yeah. toes back and yeah. makes your hair go white. There's a time just to listen and pat them on the back. 
and then there's a right. time to rebuke. And the difficulty is right. learning how to tell. And that's for me, I flip a coin way more than I probably should. But <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know a lot of times. And it's like, okay, I could see the, the benefit of this, I could see the benefit of that. I could see how this could go sideways. I could see how this could go sideways. I just don't want to screw it up. And so God knows that my motivation isn't, I want money. Yeah. I want to look good. Me, me, me. My motivation right. is, okay, there's something here, and I want to do the right thing. But I don't know what it is. So yep. I trust in him to help me. Yep. What we need to do as Christians, I think, uh, George MacDonald said in one of his novels. George MacDonald, I don't know if you're familiar with him. You should learn. You should read him if you get a chance. Um, he's the guy who inspired C.S. Lewis. George MacDonald is the Scottish Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky is the Russian C.S. Lewis. These three thinkers, excellent. George MacDonald's very edifying. His theology isn't perfect. C.S. Lewis did not have a perfect theology. But these two men had some deep spiritual insights that are very, very relevant and accurate, and they expressed them in a way that you could access and understand. And one of the things George MacDonald said, somebody there was a, there was a couple of Christians that went through a hard difficulty in the 1800s, a sickness and poverty, and they finally decided they're going to do something good for the community, for God. And the one asked the other, well, what do we do? And the other one said, well, you just do whatever the next right thing is. You know, whatever, whatever the next thing God puts in front of you is. Maybe the next right thing is just talking to that old lady who irritates you down the block. That might be the next thing God wants you to do. Maybe the next thing is enlisting to go fight in a war. Could be talking to a lady. Could be talk, going to war. Uh, it could be just cleaning your house and shutting up and leaving the neighbors alone because you're, you know, it could be a lot of things. Everybody's different. And since we're all different in here and in here, that's why it says God weighs the, the heart, the spirit. It says, you know, the, the way of man is right in his own eyes, but God weighs the spirits. Each of us has our motivations. Sometimes they're pure, sometimes they're not. So God isn't looking at the, out, the outcome. God's not a respecter of persons. He's looking at the motivation. Because you can mean to do evil, and good happens. Joseph's brothers meant to do evil, but what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Or yeah, that was good. you can mean to do good and do evil things. And that's what happened with Mary and Martha. One was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and the other was uh, in the kitchen. And I lost you. I lost you. I lost you. I don't no, know you're here. here. There, you're back. You're back like bad my style. chicken. My chicken jumped out of the box over there. I was looking. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, so you could. The, the, I don't remember which is which. I mix them up. But the one sister sat at the feet of Jesus, and the other sister was in the kitchen making stuff. And she's like, "Jesus, will you tell my sister to get off her lazy butt?" And Jesus was like, "Hey, hey, pump the brakes. I ain't gonna be here all the time. Your sister's doing a more important thing." Why, why don't you come join her? You know, we don't need those canapes. We, we, don't, we, we don't need those, those dull rolls you're making. They're, they're fine, but come on in here. I'm going to be dead in like a year, so let's just hear this out, you know. I'm going to come back, but just listen to me while you got me. So that's, that's what I'm saying. We, since we don't know, only God knows, um, that's another reason. It, does, it actually doesn't say not to judge in Scripture. It says, judge not lest you be judged. So... Uh -huh. 
when you look at people judge to the degree with the degree you judge you will be judged and that's why andrew womack is great teaching on that this idea that christians shouldn't judge no it's literally you judge every day andrew womack's like would you go down that alleyway if you see no you judge judging simply means we're not to condemn people but we judging is judging a weight of should i do this or should i do that we're judging actions you can judge in your spirit as someone's motives like you can figure that out right if, if you have discernment that that person's trying to manipulate you you're judging that's what judging is but we're not condemning well, someone to hell we're not i think people misunderstand let's, judgment uh, for let's go even deeper let's go even deeper into that real quick because th- that's very important people say don't judge me um we've changed the what the, the word judge means what what the word right exactly. judgment means you can't judge unless you give a sentence, which is the condemnation you spoke of. If you're judging, right. you're passing right. a sentence. Observation is not the same as judgment. Right. And what but analyzing a situation they, is yeah. what we're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. They've taught us yep. to equate observation with condemnation by confusing exactly. what the term judgment means. Now, in the scriptural context of that verse, I'm pretty sure, and I may be wrong, I'm not perfect. I'm pretty sure that verse is saying, judge not lest ye be judged, for with the measure you meet, it shall be meted back unto you. And that is talking about uh, coming and, and making a sentence and, and, and actually coming to a determination and acting mm-hmm. on that. It says to do justice yep. and judgment is more acceptable to God than sacrifice in the Old Testament. So there is a place for that, but the scripture's saying, don't meet out a sentence unless you know Unless, you, you know, somebody's not going to meet that out on you. So, for example, right. if you are a grandfather and your son is now a father and you see your son as a grandfather making horrible mistakes with his kid that you made with him, then what you could say is, hey, son, that's a bad idea. I made a mistake and I'm sorry about it. That's yeah. how I know. Yeah. Don't do that. Now, that right there, that's that's using judgment to come to a determination it's not necessarily condemnation judging isn't always condemnation you can you can judge for the good as well you know you can say that's a good piece of art that's a judgment and you're meeting out a kind of sentence you're giving a pedigree to something so you can judge both ways but anyway point being our modern society teaches us to look at the word judge as always negative and always meeting out a sentence Meanwhile, if you say, hey, John, I've seen you coming to work hungover four times this week. You should probably stop drinking. You haven't actually judged. You've made an observation and a suggestion, but you haven't said, John, since you've been coming in drinking, um, you go to hell. (laughs) You haven't done that. But that's what they teach us to think. You're literally looking at, you know, Four guys coming down the street with chains and baseball bats, and you're like, I'm going to go to the other side of the street. And somebody is like, oh, are you judging them because of the color of their bandana? Are they in a gang or the color of their skin? No, you're judging the fact that you don't want to walk near a group of guys walking around with chains and baseball bats like the outsiders uh, down the street. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And the other thing is, you know, pull out that two by four. When, When he says pull out that two by four out of your own eye before you pull the speck out of another... The whole teaching yeah. behind that that I heard was you got to take care of your own issues so that you can clearly see before you help someone with their issues. It's not like saying not to do it. I'll tell you this much. 
I know Lizzo's a big, fat, nasty thing that needs Jesus, okay? Uh, she is, but I would never say I'm a personal trainer either because I'm not as skinny or as in shape as I need to be. However, I am in shape enough to make the discernment that she could be doing a little better, and I have done better enough that that's a fair, that's a fair discernment. However, I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, here's how you work out, because I could be doing better too. <laughs> you know, there's a balance there. There's uh, a balance. I, I love it. You know, this episode has gone way different than when we first talked, and I'm going to probably try to clip some of those clips of the good stories and add them into here. I want to have more conversations oh, yeah. about... Um, you let me know when you have to go. I know you have to drive to do your appointment. Um, but uh, I'd love for you to still tell the story of how you got an AGT. I'd love if you have and you oh, want yeah, to do any stand-up or any – if you want to do any jokes from a French accent or anything you can, any, any other jokes, I need some jokes. I need to go grab my accordion. My accordion's in my car. My car's up the hill. It would be about – It'd it'd be it'd be a pain. I can do some of the jokes without the full set. I still need to do that for you. Yeah, just give me some jokes. Um. Yeah. You know what Christian Protestants call the Catholic Catechism? Pope Fiction. And then I play the Pope Fiction theme song (laughs) on the accordion. I told I told you that joke to tell you this one. When the Pope comes to the United States, you know what his favorite fast food chicken restaurant in the South is? It's Popeye's Chicken, because it's spelled P O P E. Y-E-S. The Pope says yes. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I like, I like cheesy funny. stuff. You know, I, and then I'm talking like this, and I've got an eye patch. Like the holy thing. It's yeah, like, give me some. Like give, me one, give me one with your accent. All right, all right. Well, usually I'm doing this, and I've got the accordion. So right now you're seeing a clown without any makeup. So it's kind of a weird thing. Um uh, let, let me think. What's a, what's what's a good one? It's 2023. I think it's high time we start calling anorexia what it is. Trans fat. Oh, I see. You have a bird there. The bird like. Wow. That is a. That's a. It's a chick. It's kind of cute. Uh, it's it's not pretty yet. It's in the middle. It's in the middle. It's a middle chicken. It's that. That it's is a, a middle schooler. Chicken. That chicken is in eighth grade and looks like it. <laughs> that is an eighth grade chicken right there. Oh. I was just This is what happens when you don't when you don't lock your office door. <laughs> My son loves these chickens. He um he Oh loves yeah. Them. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? It's I know. Fun. I wish we had it's great. My daughter was so brave, and all of a sudden she got like germs, germs. She doesn't because my wife told her about the chicken germs and that you should wash your hands. And I'm like, that doesn't mean you can't touch them. You just wash your hands when you're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you know that might be a little branching off point. She knows she doesn't like washing her hands, maybe, and that's the, that's the, that might be the issue there. But whether or not that's the case, that sort of thing is what drives a lot of us psychologically to make continuing mistakes is that there's one thing we don't want to do because we know of this thing over here. So we get a psychosis about this thing. And then the psychologists who don't know Jesus, they try and get you on drugs. <laughs> and that just doesn't, that doesn't fix it. You see what I'm saying, though? It's like I maybe, um, yeah, you, you're with, like, you're having trouble at work, but it's not because the work is hard. It's because you're mad that you have to do this salesman stuff 
because you've already been doing it 20 years and you're good at it, but the other company folded, so you have to start over. So it's not really that you're mad at the work of the clients, you're mad at the situation, and that, that's in the back of your mind, and then it percolates and comes out of you. That, that's what Dostoevsky and McDonald, when you read Dostoevsky and McDonald, that's all they're writing about. Is all that intermachination? Is there a specific book I should read by McDonald first? Um, Malcolm is good. Malcolm is uh, it, it's a trans. It's not a translation, but George McDonald would write Scotland like he would write S C O T L A N. The put him in there, Scotland. William. Put him back in the black bin. Stop. <laughs> he'd write like he'd write the accent into the text. And if you've got the accent written into the text, it's quite hard to read if you're not Scotland. So uh, there was a guy named Michael Phillips who made it more English sounding. How you doing, Willem? Follow what your dad says about those wee birds. You got to take care of them and wash your hands because you've been handling wee birds and their bird brains. But um, uh, Malcolm's a good book. There's also one called... Oh, I'm blanking on the name now. Lilith. Now, Lilith is one of the things where I, I disagree with McDonald's theology. He just didn't have the resources we have today to research it. What Lilith is about is about the, the potential non-Eve spouse of Adam. But the way, that, uh, the, the, the way it happens is it's like Narnia. This adult dude finds a passage to another world. And there's a bunch of crazy stuff in the other world. And it's the possibility that... There was a, a different creature than Adam. And what's stupid about Lilith, it's a work of fiction. It's just for fun. But there's a bunch of people today that like use that book to base their ideology. And George MacDonald was writing fiction. However, there were some Gaelic legends about this Lilith figure. So that one's just very entertaining and more accessible. I really, It's like the last book he wrote. I really disagree with some of the theology in that book. But it's very entertaining and very accessible, and it's fun. So it's that, that'll help you understand why there's an appeal there. What it is is he wrote these fantasies, like C.S. Lewis, Tolkien kind of fantasies. A lot shorter than both Lewis and Tolkien, but same sort of fantasies. And they're very, very good. Um, but they were only like 10% of his writing. The other 90% was, uh, it was these dramas about, like a tailor living in a Scottish town. And you read the dust jacket and you're like, this sounds like the most boring crap in the world. And I wouldn't have read that unless I read Lilith because Lilith, I was like, whoa, he got into some deep psychology there that blew my mind. Well, then you read a book like Malcolm and it's even better and it has nothing to do with fantasy. It's just our real world because George MacDonald understood the situation of the reality we live in. So, anywho. It's uh, it's it's worth it's definitely worth checking out. Malcolm's good. Uh, Lilith is good. At the back of the North Wind is very. That's another fantasy. That that one's about a, a, a child dying, like a seven or eight year old, and going to. And it, it's it's trying to teach people that the world we live in is not the eternal resting place. And it's actually a very sad story, but it's very beautiful. So the child rides at the back of the North Wind. It's sort of a retelling of the, um, there's a Russian ice queen legend. It's a retelling of that. Then there's The Princess and the Goblin and The Princess and Curdie. All of those books are kind of kid-oriented. Uh, then there's The Light Princess. The Light Princess is about a girl who her parents just 
they want to make her so happy. They want to please this girl, so they give her anything she wants, and she turns into a brat. And then somebody I'm over here taking notes. Are these all George McDonald books? Yeah, these are all George McDonald books. The Light Princess. She the the parents want the girl to be. Um, they want her to be happy, so they give her whatever she wants, and she becomes a brat. And then, like a, a witch comes and says, "You can't do that. It's not like a. It's like it's a fairy tale. It's like an old hag or something." So that's good. The Golden Key's good. Something about Out of the Shadows or something. There's something about shadows that's a romance that's good. Those are all the fantasy books. Then there's Malcolm, uh, which is very. There's the um, there's the Baronet's song. Oh, it's called Sir Gibby. Sir Gibby or the Baronet's song. They're both the same book. One's a different re modernization of it it's basically scottish huckleberry finn uh sir gibby or the baronet song and and what happens is that this kid who's a who's a mute he can't talk his dad's a drunk and his dad drinks himself to death but it turns out the kid's royalty and and basically he goes on a a trek through scotland in the 1800s and it's you read it you're like this is scottish huckleberry finn and it's a very good book um it's McDonald's very extreme, you know. He'll have characters. People get sick in his books, and we 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 see it now. But you look at these people who are struggling with pneumonia and stuff, and this is before penicillin. So you know he'll he'll address these topics of these people who are going through difficulties in life, and then they die. Um, there's the Gentlewoman's Choice, the Baronet Song slash Sir Gibby, Lilith. And your memory the is like ridiculous. How old are you again? I've You're close to my age. Yeah, well, I'm five years under you, um, but don't worry, I forget stuff. Your, you your, <laughs> your memory is ridiculous. I know you said later in the evening you start getting tired, and this is your best time, but man, you are, uh, you are. Oh yeah, you catch me in the evening, and I'll be. If if it's in the evening, I'll be looking off in the <laughs> distance. I'll be like, what is it? Oh, I can't. Um, I'll be doing this, you know, um, trying to remember to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, now, yeah. I mean, and also yeah. I'm drinking coffee, so I'm kind of. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, George McDonald. I love it. And, uh, and I know, I know. There's. I'm gonna make a list and get some other. You know, next time we talk, I, like I said, I want to go a little more into the quantum physics stuff. And uh, I love how um, you're so well versed on everything. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote two that people don't often read: "The Great Divorce" and "That Hideous Strength." I would strongly recommend reading those as an introduction to George McDonald, actually, because. Once you the read those, it's, it, The Great Divorce and That Hideous Strength. And granted, they're like 90 years old now. But they're more modern than McDonald, who's like 150 years old. So you read those, and, and you start to see what I'm talking about with the inner psychology and the spiritual uh, warfare that's hiding in plain sight. Like, The Great Divorce is about a guy who manages to go to heaven. But he's not dead. It's a dream. It's a vision he has. And it's it's C.S. Lewis explaining what the actual scriptural sense of heaven is over the Renaissance iconography. So the concept of heaven, we're not up there with a cloud and a harp. That's nowhere in scripture. Nowhere in scripture will you find, yes, and when thou dost die, thou dost become an eternal cherub with tiny wings sprouted from thine spine and a little harp on which you play happy tunes for all it. That's... That's, that has nothing to do with, with heaven. That's just because people were so covered in crap in the Middle Ages. They, their, their idea of heaven is not having to live in constant pain and disease, because that's how bad... We've come a long way. So, 
That's yeah. th that was how yeah. they depicted it artistically. But what heaven is, the concept is totally different. So we got to talk about the millennial reign to get to the concept of Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom sort of a spiritual holding place between now and the concept of eternity, which is conflated with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will be an eternity, but first Jesus comes back and there's a 1,000 year millennial reign where there's a physical kingdom on this earth before there's a new heaven and a new earth, according to the Bible. We just read Revelation for my Bible school and yeah, talking about the the new heaven coming down to, to earth, or is it the new Jerusalem coming down to earth? Yeah, well, there's a new Jerusalem, which is a cube that's about 1,600 miles wide and tall. It's, it looks like, you know how the Jews wear that little cube? They call it a phylactery, I think it is. Um, well, that's what the earth is going to look like with the new Jerusalem. Imagine my head is the earth and a little sugar cube, and that's what the new Jerusalem will look like on the earth. I don't remember now, I'm going to have to look, if... I think the New Jerusalem, I don't know if it comes after or before the, or during the millennial reign. It's either during or after. I, I'd have to look again. I'm, I'm not perfect on these things. I know this. There's a thousand year reign, then the devil is released for a little while, and then there's a new heaven and a new earth. So after, I think, I look at it like the Sabbath of, of reality, because we've been around around 6,000 years here. And the, the and Sabbath... So this is what really messes our brain up. So if God is outside of time and Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth, <laughs> then that's already happened. Like, it just blows your mind. Like, well, it like does, if, God, you know, if God's outside of time, to God, it's all, he, it, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, it's already like happened, painter, right? Yeah. Well, C.S. Lewis, Lewis and MacDonald, I don't mean to harp on them so much. It's just I'm, I'm <laughs> the most well-read in those guys, A and B. I find what they say really compelling. C.S. Lewis said, um, it's like if a novelist wrote, Jane had a cup of tea, and then the novelist put a period on the sentence, had a cup of tea himself, had a shower and a crumpet, then wrote, went back to the manuscript where it said, Jane had a cup of tea and thought about her morning. See, the space between those sentences could be infinite. But for Jane, no, no space has passed. So that's how it is with God. He's the painter. He's the novelist. He's the programmer. So everything that's happened inside of our universe in linear time is like us looking at a painting. The painting's static. It's there. We're outside of the painting. But... If you're in the painting, you've got a different perspective and a different vantage point. That's how it is to a certain extent, and that's not perfect. But God is outside of time and space. He used time and space like a color on the canvas. You see? See what I'm saying? Yep. So, what that, so, and this is m more for our listeners then, because you're with me. Um, from the time I was an embryo in my mother's womb until the time I become dead and my spirit leaves, and I've shucked this mortal coil. God can look right at me and what's going on in my brain and my heart and give his full attention to that from the entire arc of my life. And then when I die, he can pull out and he can look at you and look at your whole arc from before when I was alive and you were born until you, you shucked your mortal coil. And then he can pull out and do the same thing from your, for your dad. And each time it's like he's writing a sentence in the book, the novel of reality, or uh, painting an image 
on the canvas of life. So, you know, each of these things, he can compartmentalize it because he's outside of time. So for God, you know, it could be that God made existence backwards. It could be that God painted the end first and then went back to the beginning. If you think about it. It, it, it. This is the kind of stuff I used to think about a lot. It's been a while. It's, it's mind-boggling for sure. But, um, so you, but think about yeah, that. To, I mean, to learn that we better. have a plan and a yeah, we have a plan and a purpose, and we are to grow in that, and we still have our part to play, and God has a plan and purpose for everybody. So, yeah, it's fascinating um, stuff, absolutely. Oh, yeah, Crazy every brushstroke. Uh, so if a painting had 8 billion brushstrokes, each of those brushstrokes would be a human being. Now, some brushstrokes are the eye in the beautiful mermaid on the rock that the painter painted. Some brush strokes are bits of dirt on the rock under the mermaid. But all of them are integral to the painting, and if they weren't there, you'd see the canvas beneath. So every single yep. brush stroke, whether the brush stroke is a Charlemagne, or the brush stroke is a Moses, or the brush stroke is a Stalin, every single one of them has a purpose. And that's that's why that's so now we're we're approaching Calvinistic territory, and I'm not a Calvinist. Um because the Calvinists say that owing to predestination, you can't really affect anything, and the end result's going to be the end result. Well, yes and no. God is outside of the painting. He knows where the brushstroke's going. But we're the brushstroke. We're inside the painting. We don't know where it's going. So because we don't know the outcome, we have the freedom to make our decisions. God knows the decisions we're going to make. He knows right. what we're going to do. But that doesn't mean we don't have the freedom to do it. It just means whatever we end up choosing, well, he knew what we were going to do. And that's why I pray over coin and flip it. Because, you know, he, he knows. He knows where it's going. And I don't. Yeah. So, I'm, okay, what do you want? Let's do it. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's just, it is. It's, it's crazy. That's why once you receive we put so much effort on this linear idea of God and the world and we're progressing towards something rather than realizing we are immediately that person, right? You, you, you are the minute you get saved and you receive the Holy spirit, you're, you're, your identity as a son. And that should give you a freedom to do and partner with God to bring his kingdom to earth without worrying about having to become good enough or be better, or, you know, be, strive for things because out of out of that identity as a son and a mature son that hears his father's voice and can obey you should then your life is more fulfilled because you're going through life fulfilled with god and and i always cling to those verses like you know it, it doesn't matter neither slave 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 nor free greek nor jew male nor female like no matter what part of life you find yourself in, like what if we all got enslaved? What if our whole world, like you could still follow a Christian life. You know, many Christians in China that were oppressed were living amazing lives in community, love, peace, and joy. And sure, they didn't have the freedom we fight and, and love in America, but they had their freedom as a, a being of Christ that could still walk in love and peace and joy and um, all of the fruits of the Spirit. Um that's something I always hold on to that no matter what happens in this world, in this world, we will have trouble, but you know, take heart for Jesus has overcome the world. 
we'll be able, you know, if the craziest times happen and our political party doesn't win and they actually, civil war happens because they try to take people's guns, we can still choose to live and honor one another and prefer one another and do what God tells us to do even oh, yeah. in uh, tough times. So. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, yeah. This is something, too, that we've really been shortchanged by the moral relativism that says you're fine how you are. Because let me tell you something. Who I am now at 36 is not who I was three years ago. Who I was three years ago is not who I was six years ago. And you can just keep going back like that. None of us, and there's a song, uh, you're more than the sum of your past mistakes or something. Um, I'm redeemed. I think that's the song. Uh it's not even, okay, you're more than the sum of your past mistakes, but you're more than the sum of your past victories, too. God doesn't yeah. see us where we are right now at a single point in the space-time continuum. He sees the whole arc from mm. birth to being translated into eternity. The whole arc. Mm. And what that arc is, throughout life, we are becoming. We are learning things. We are yep. be, going from strength to strength. We are... Uh, learning how health works, how spiritualism works, that most yeah. adults really have no idea what they're doing. And being an adult is kind of about just BSing it and hoping it turns <laughs> out all right. And the truth is, that's everybody up to Bill Gates because this world we live in is an old garment that'll tatter, moth and rust will destroy yeah. it. You can't keep anything here. So even the kings of countries, it's vanity, as uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Solomon said. Vanity, 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 said the preacher, the teacher. Um, I can't remember the King James because I haven't read Ecclesiastes in a while. But it is all vanity because it's not the final form. All of existence for the 7,000 years from the time God made the world until the end of the millennial reign is like the loading bar before the computer boots. And when the computer boots, that's the new heaven and the new earth. So it's all vanity. So who we are now, you and me, it's not who we are now. This is just one yeah. frame in the 365,000 frames of the film that is our life. You know? Yeah, you can't part just of take is, one. Yeah. Yep. There's a kingdom identity, and we're literally learning and, and growing and understanding who that is. So that's part of that redemptive. When we look at people, we should see their redemptive gift, their redemptive quality, their redemptive identity. Because when we look with our physical eyes, you see Fat Lizzo rather than yeah. the daughter of the king who is a pre-believer who needs to hear yeah. her father's voice and how lovely she well, is and, and inside. I should, like, I you see, I'm, just, I'm yeah. just thinking. I, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, that's how I should do because I, I, I don't, right? I'm not point. saying we all no, do that's, that. That's, <laughs> that's a good point, though, because deep down, Lizzo is a child of God who has an eternal right. destiny, and if she accepts right. God's right. plan for her life, it's going to be better for her right. in the world. But if she does not, just as what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good, what right. Lizzo may mean for selfish purposes, God can use to help somebody else find their destiny. So it's not I'm not vindicating evil here. What I'm saying is whether you follow God's will for your life or not, your arc in the tapestry of existence will still play the part God intended. The difference is well, what about, if you follow God. Go ahead. What about the uh, the the Christians have such a hard time in the days of old, and they do the same thing today with the eleventh hour and the thief on the cross, who never prayed a prayer, didn't listen to the right theology, didn't go to the right church, right. 
He just said, right. Lord, Lord, on this day in, in eternity, remember me. Well, think about this. <laughs> because he did that, he gave billions of people hope. Okay? Because he right. did that, five minutes before he died, that is one of the strongest testimonies, bar none. <laughs> It is one of the strongest it's grace. testimonies. It's grace. Whenever there's any works mixed in, that's I love when Rob Rufus is another one you'll like. You got to get his accent down. Get, listen to his early 2000 teachings on grace. He's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, when he gets going, you know, you might as well cut it all with this South African accent. Just cut it all off, right? If you're going to mix any oh, works in that. with it, lop it off. Cut the whole thing off yeah. if you're going to try to, you know, say we need to be circumcised. If you're going to mix any law, just cut yeah. it off, you know. <laughs> I, I I found out how to do Chuck Swindoll, who pauses slowly, lets the words ring out. And I I I got I used to be able to do a really good Chuck Swindoll, but yeah, that's exactly it. It's the mixing grace, and I read that in Paul yesterday or today. Um, law and grace. Law lets you know how much grace you need. But once right. you're living under yeah. grace, that, according to the law, changes the nature of your spiritual situation. And Paul the lines law that out is a wicked clear. taskmaster. A wicked taskmaster. I'm not good at accents. Yeah. But once you know, abusive husband. Once you know that. Yeah. Once you know that it's a wicked taskmaster, and you need the, the grace of Christ, and you accept His grace mm -hmm. through His grace by your faith, you're no longer under the law even though the law right. gave you the option to get out of the law. So by the law, right. you can have right. grace, and grace frees you from the law, even though the law isn't necessarily a bad thing. You still shouldn't lie, cheat, or steal. Right. You know? and what, right. The law had its purpose. Yeah. And yeah. the law kept people alive long enough to find grace, right? Because without the law, the wages of sin is death. Everybody yeah. would just continue on until they died. Yeah, well, and what's interesting, um, after we were talking about circumcision for a second there, after Christ died and rose again, there was a dispute between Peter and the Jews and Paul, and the, and eventually Peter got that vision of the the sheep being with all the animals and what yep. God has, has yep. made, don't call unclean, you know. There was a change in covenant because of Christ, and what did they say? Okay, um, now don't tell them they got to get circumcised and follow the Jewish law, which you yourselves weren't able to follow, follow Pharisees, uh, what, what they need, don't eat uh, strangled things, abstain from blood, don't eat food sacrificed to idols, don't commit adultery. That's it! That, that's what, they were, that's on, what they were telling the new Christians to do. That's all right. they were telling them to do. Why? Because if you accept Christ, and Christ is in you, and he's faithful to complete the good work he started in you, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to love God, right. And you're going to try and do, and what was he saying? Okay, just as a general guideline beyond that, which God's going to handle, avoid eating blood and idolatrous, wicked stuff, and uh, don't be an adulterer. Those are, yep. he didn't even say don't lie, cheat, and steal, and we shouldn't do that. I don't think he was saying we should do that. I don't think he was saying that. But that just shows you how, how different, so um, for the person, the thief on the cross, right? He came to, he came to the realization, and he made the move. In, in the 11th hour, probably not even an hour left, that it, you remember me in your kingdom, God. So he just took the leap of faith. Hey, have grace on me, God. That's all he said. 
He did it. The other one, the other one just said, ah, you're bad like us. And, you know, he went to hell. But the person who makes that decision, right, at the end of life or whenever they do, immediately they're a changed being and the old has passed away. So, if, if, if you lived your whole life as Hitler, and at the very end, before you died, honestly, from the heart and spirit, you repented and asked and believed on Jesus, he'd save you. Now, I don't think Adolf did that. I think he's in hell. I don't think he repented at all. I really don't think he did, ever. So he, he probably didn't do that. Academically speaking, as a thought experiment, according to Scripture, he could have done that. And if he had done that, we would probably know about it, and it would be like the thief on the cross. It'd be we'd we'd have a veneration or something like that. So anybody anybody who's lived, you could live your life as a horrible pedo tranny, and if you honestly repented, God would save you. But your sin would catch up to you. So say there's a serial killer, and I think Dahmer. I think this happened with Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, he uh, he was raping dudes and killing them and eating them, but he came to Christ in prison. He still got killed by other prisoners because there is a sin unto death and there is a consequence. I saw but, that. I heard I, that too. Yeah. Yeah, I think he probably. I mean, there's what? What would he gain by that? You know, he's already in prison. It's not like they're going right. to let him out. One of those. One of those ones. I don't know the name, but it might have been Dahmer. Yeah, he literally. Yeah lived a better life and made claims and was better. And yeah, he could have fought for other things or either he had, he gained nothing by, yeah. you know, I think he told his parents and said he was sorry and did different things. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's crazy that it can happen. And of course the secular world's like, Oh, you can't, you can't apologize for that. Well, here's the thing. You can apologize, but just because you're saved and you've been redeemed and now you're an eternal being. And this is the part I don't like, but it's the scriptural implication. It doesn't mean you're off the hook for, for all the crap you pulled. So right. so you, you may be saved, you may be redeemed, but you know, if you murdered somebody's family and there's children alive that have a vendetta against you, they're probably still going to come after you and they might kill you. But here's what the yeah. difference is. If yeah. you're redeemed and that happens, number one, you're not going to be scared. Number two, you're not going to hold it against them. Number three... You're probably going to say, hey, listen, I did wrong, and you should kill me, but you, you're going to feel bad if you do. And even if you do, Jesus will forgive you. Yeah. And I know I've been down this road. And then you turn yeah. the other cheek. And then the person kills you, and then they feel terrible, and they come to Jesus. That stuff does happen. I mean, there's, there's stories about people who had murderous vendettas. There's abortions, murder. I mean, if you, these women who had a full-term abortion, that is, they, they killed their baby. That's murder. It's not, it's not a clump yeah. of cells. We're, you and I are a clump yeah. of cells. We're all clumps of cells. That's murder. Yeah. But a woman who repents and says, you know, I messed up, God's going to forgive her. And then she's going to have a testimony right. that can help other women who are in the same situation. There's grace for the, the aborted and the woman. Yep. There, and that's yeah. absolutely. And there's a lot of healing that needs to happen when people have had abortions because it is traumatic. And the devil wants you to feel guilty and shame and all of those things. Well, and that's one of the reasons I love C.S. Lewis and George MacDonald so much is because they communicate the concept that what we consider to be the worst possible thing, death, is not what we think it is. If you don't know Jesus, you think of death as a cessation of all, and it's terrifying. If you know Jesus, you know death is just a translation. 
death, where is thy sting? You are just right. getting into right. the next level of your existence. So right. I believe specifically right. it's C.S. Lewis. It's in the screw tape letters. He talks about how being alive is primarily an opportunity to become saved for eternity. So, mm. and this is going to sound weird, but if, if you die before the age of accountability, you're automatically eternal. So That's as sad I, and hard with that too. Yeah. yeah as horrible as, as wicked, as evil as abortion is, and we should stop it. There's a billion baby, a billion with a capital B that are in heaven. Yeah. Every single one of them, not yep. a single one of them babies yep. is in heaven. I'm reading my so, friend's book that's called loved. And it's all about the father's love. It's really good. And, um, they had a miscarriage in while they were on missionaries in Africa and it was very hard on him and his wife and his wife was in the hospital. She wasn't awake. She was in like a coma. She wasn't supposed to come out. She had to have a surgery. They said she wasn't going to come out for like 20, 30 minutes. And she woke up and started speaking to him. She also spoke Swahili to one of the nurse persons. And he said that my wife doesn't speak that language. So this is all in the book. So it's okay to, to say this. Um, so he's, she starts speaking in this full fluent, which she's not. And then she sees Jesus and she sees Jesus and she's like kind of half in and half out. And she sees her son and knows his name. I think it was justice. And then she's out again and she's gone and she wakes up a little later. She didn't really remember what she told her husband, people that were praying in England for them in Africa called them and said, I think I, I think we know. And I think your son was a, was a boy. I think it was a boy and we got, and I think that its name was justice. And like, so the person that was praying for them while she was going through pain and surgery got a vision and God wanted them to know. Cause that was the thing. They missed their child that, you know, their child's okay, their child's in heaven, and the name was Justice, and it was, even though it didn't live, that name meant something, and that word Justice for that time and that place in that country in Africa, it was, it was powerful, but, I mean, it was just for them, a truth, that yeah. their unborn baby was immediately in heaven, and that she didn't remember telling her husband, and then to confirm that it was all real, and because the wife didn't remember it, somebody else confirmed it and said the same thing that while they were praying they saw that name and like it's crazy stuff but it's real and god does that that's a testament many people well, and here's something too in revelation chuck missler had this observation and the reason i remember this stuff isn't because like i've got good lord's giving me a good memory um but i'm I, I don't know that it's extra special it's just stuff sticks in there and chuck missler talks about in revelation the souls who cry out when is our justice when are you gonna uh, he thinks they're abortion. He thinks they're the souls of the aborted, and I, I don't, I don't know that he's wrong. You know, when, when is a? It's very interesting. Um, so, yeah, you know, death or life is primarily here to give us the opportunity to get saved and pass on and shuck this mortal coil. So this is since this is just kindergarten and death is first grade. If you can if you right. graduate kindergarten early. You get started in the real education faster. So that's the way God looks at life is not the way we look at it. However, um, there is something to be said for having a nice long, you know, Abraham died full of years. You know, there is something, if you follow your father and mother, you'll have a lot, if you honor your father and mother, that it may go well with thee in life and you will right. live long. That's one of the reasons I try and treat mom and dad real good because uh, I, I want to be an old fart. <laughs> 
But, uh, but so there is such a thing. It's good to live a long life. But life in this corporeal cursed realm is one phase of an infinite progression. And it's just the beginning. So yeah. a billion abortions, and, and, you know, they had it pre-flood, and they, they, they did similar stuff in the Aztec empires. It's just a wickedness of humanity. So I think it's sad and horrible that that happens and we need to stop it. But none of those people who were murdered who haven't reached the age of accountability, none of them are in hell. The only time you go to hell yeah. is if you reach the age of accountability and you don't accept Jesus. That's it. Otherwise, you're you going to hell. accept the free gift of grace. And I think, now, I don't know about this, but I think that is the unpardonable sin. Is uh, the, 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 because, you know, it's just not accepting, because if you don't accept, you can't live eternally if you don't accept it. So I think that's what the unpardonable, I think that's how well, you grieve the Holy Spirit. But I think, I think we're all eternal beings. So it's just, well, are you eternally eternally in God's presence or eternally without? I mean, isn't that the whole concept of hell is literally well, yes the absence no. of the God? Concept of the concept of eternality does not have a starting point. This is something that was explained to me because I, I had the same perspective. So eternality, there's no first cause. It's existence for the sake of existence by existence in a way that we can't understand because everything in our world has a first cause because we're created. So... Truly eternal beings would not have a moment of creation. They would have existed always, always. And we've been created. But we do all have the potential, like a seed, to sprout into our full destiny. So everybody, even the damned, have that eternal... But so, so the, the concept of eternality, it's just sort of a timeless spiritual thing. So there's eternal life, and it says in Scripture there's eternal death. And I think that's what you're talking to when you say we're that's all. That's what I'm talking people. about. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm. But talking but about. like that, it's not necessarily that we haven't always been though. So that's that's where right. that's the only that's the only sticking point there. And it's uh, the only reason I mentioned right. it is if you're in a debate with an atheist, they're gonna they're gonna get you going around in circles for hours. I, I know because you've been there. You've been there. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're going to have to pick this up next time and go into some other things and, and let you do your full comedy set. I have to get going soon, too, and I know you've got to drive soon. Great. So I would say we've got some books. Um, I'm going to put on the website. So tell somebody just real quick your rumble that basically you had a couple thousand YouTube followers and you were building that channel and YouTube shut you down. So we're going to build that thing up on rumble. We're going to share it out. Um I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little uh, video soon on why every believer should have a Rumble because obviously you could still have your YouTube, yeah. but you need to know that they do silence and they do, um, what's the word? They are uh, actively keeping people from speaking truth because they'll censoring. demonetize you. They're censoring. And it'd be good to at least have a Rumble and have access to it to support people that do speak truth, to support truth tellers on their rumble. I mean, all of these cool people that wanted to speak without having big brother tell them what to do. Russell brand and Dan Bongino have gone to rumble. So it's just a platform, but um, I have a rumble and Kevin has a rumble. So I think anybody should have a rumble. And if you do have it, I think the Christian world should get better at understanding 
that your likes and follows are monetary, they're money in the in this day and age. You know, that's what people need because yeah. the algorithms will link to you, you know, who's being followed and who's being promoted and who's being liked. And so definitely if you like someone, every time I see someone sing I like on AGT or so I, I follow them on Instagram. I follow them because that's how I connected with you. And that's how we started messaging each other. That's how we started yeah. talking. Um, I yeah, liked I, you and I followed you on Facebook and then actually started seeing a lot of your theology and your truth telling. And we've messaged a few times, had some interactions, but yeah, I'll make it on I the website. Wanna, I, You'll have a page. I do want to let people know. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm not a preacher. You know, I, I've got a lot of room for improvement. Some things I might argue on and I might be wrong to do that, but I, all, all that to say this, my rumble is not necessarily G rated. It probably should be. I've got my reasons. They may be wrong. They may be right. I'm not here to compel. Is, is, is Rumble some of your comedy or what, what, el what else is on there? Rumble's got my comedy. It's got my music. It's got some stuff from January 6th. It's got me just talking to people. Some of my comedy's not G-rated. I'm trying to work on that. I've got like five or six. Really no, and I, I saw some of your older stuff, you know, yeah, and you, you know, but that's part of the lifestyle you come from and come out of being a comedian and being in bars all the time and maybe drop some curse words. Well, I love you your know, um, your interaction with the audience, but uh, yeah, you're, you're well, being honest it, about it. And uh, the thing, know. the thing of it is, um, you're, you're trying to communicate with people with comedy and a lot of times it's not in a circumstance where proper communication is even recognizable. You know, it says um, seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear. So to a certain extent, you've got you've to you've put the piece of medicine in a brownie, or not a brownie, in a treat for the dog. Or the dog will just spit the medicine out. It's something like that. And so the treat, the sugar, probably not as clean as it should be. And that may not be the right way to go about it. But that's that's sort of my thinking on it. But anyway, my Rumble is Kevin Bennett's Rumble channel. And now I've got 21 yep. followers. I had 1,700 when they deleted my YouTube channel. My biggest video... I was the first had, follower on Rumble, actually, because I was working work. and I saw you live pop your, uh, your request for Rumble. Well, I'll have it all yeah. on the website. So, yeah, anything specific you want me to link to, I think... I originally had found it all, so I've got to find all the links I'd saved for your it's, you know, the book. The link should be in your uh, message thread. I did yep. send them all. I had saved them all for in the website though in a draft, and it looks oh, like good. a bunch of my stuff got deleted the other day because someone else's stuff was deleted. The podcast I put out today, some of the, I had stuff saved for him. I had to redo, but that's okay. Oh, but man. yeah, give us a, a final thought. Give us a blessing if you want to pray for the world to hear your sure, heart or the world to come to know the Father. Whatever you want to do, and um, we'll close out today. But we're gonna have you on again, and definitely if you ever sure. come this way, we'll connect you with Florida and come to church with us or something, and. It'll be Absolutely. good to connect, my friend. So um, I, uh, you know, I got, I got a lot of stuff out there. The only novel you can buy from me right now is Amphibian by Kevin Bennett. It's, uh, I, I may not agree with its theology as much now. It's, it's the idea of what would happen if AI really did be become self-aware, and it's about a robot who falls in love with another robot and then commits a murder and has to has to deal with the consequences of that. It's okay. The other novels, The Thief and the Sacrifice. Um, it's not in print anymore. The printer, the original printer folded on that. I'm looking for a new publisher on it. Um, if anybody is in publication and, and finds it online and thinks it's, it's a pre-flood story. Basically, a guy goes back in time to the pre-flood world, and it's a futuristic dystopia that follows Marxist principles under another name. And he's there 100 years before the flood. And so it's just kind of the whole idea is to have an adventure novel that shows what it would really be like because pre-flood, 
they were probably more technically, technologically advanced than we are now. And I get that from Ecclesiastes 1.9, which says, uh, The thing which has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Which rhymes, which is why I remember, it sounds like a Pink Floyd B-Sides lyric. But what that indicates is the futuristic technological dystopia we're in today is nothing new. It seems new, and we're told it's new, but it's not new. And I think that's what I want people to remember. The world we live in teaches us from kindergarten to adulthood to regard mankind's accomplishments in a postmodern sense. It teaches us to think we've conquered the world, we understand it all, but we don't. They call it medical practice for a reason. People are still learning their craft, and even medicine isn't as far along as we think, and neither is technology or transit or chemistry or any of the sciences. These things are all... Um, it's like a child learned how to write five letters and thinks they understand Shakespeare. That's where we're at. And they tell us, because we know A, B, C, D, E, we know Shakespeare. We don't. We really don't. So my takeaway for the modern viewer today is to understand that the authorities that tell us what they do in a secular sense don't know what they're talking about, never did, and you shouldn't have faith in them. God does know what, he ta what he's talking about. He always has. You should have faith in him. You can trust in your Bible. Scripture has been reliably translated through history properly. If God can speak the universe into existence, he can get his book published. And he did. So, the takeaway here is trust in Christ. Don't trust in CNN. Don't trust in Fox. Don't trust in the U.S. government, in the POTUS, in the SCOTUS, in the legislative, judicial, or executive branch. Don't trust in Russia. Don't trust in Hollywood. Don't trust in the music industry. Don't trust in any human being because we're all imperfect. Trust in God and let that lens translate your activity in your daily life. So I'll, I'll, pray, I'll pray this way. God, thank you for this day and all you've done. Please forgive me where I fall short and help me do better with the opportunities you give me. Thank you for Thomas Cross Hoops and uh, allowing me to be on his podcast and promote the things I've done. But Father, I pray that with this podcast and our discussion here and going forward, that people would hear the truth, it would set them free, and they would understand and be driven to dive deeper into this endless rabbit hole of truth that extends even beyond the time and space boundaries of yes. the universe we live in, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Praise you, Jesus, and all things you will be done. Please save our country, Father. The wicked people that are doing wicked things in high positions of power and spiritually wicked high places... Please dethrone them, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Please save the children, protect them from the wicked people who are pushing this baphomet de demonism from the schools to the media and everywhere in between. Please, Father, save us from these things, Lord, and please redeem us from the wicked actions we've taken as a country and give us the strength to handle what we have sown. Uh, please save us and have grace and mercy on us, and if there are things put in motion that we cannot get out of, like for the millions of abortions we've, we've been responsible for, please give us the strength to handle the fallout for what we've done. But I pray, Father, it be your will. You deliver us. Save our country. Let the right president make it in next year. And all things you will be done, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord. And I just thank you, God, for a new friendship. I thank you for what you're doing right now across the earth, Lord, that where sin abounds, your, your glory and your light and your goodness abounds more. Grace and love abounds more, Lord. I just thank you for everybody listening that 
you desire to know them more and more, Lord, no matter where they find themselves, what season of life, that there's another level in your heart of love, that you're drawing them in deeper right now, Lord, that you desire to spend time with us even even when we don't think you do, Lord, um, that we're important to you, God, and that, that you're... Your face is always towards us, Lord, and your, your gazing is upon us, and you want us to gaze back. And I just thank you, God, for um, the ability to, to learn to see the world as you see it, Lord, that we could bring it up, call it up to places to you. Instead of condemning, we, we would call people up to you, Lord. I just thank you that you're maturing us and teaching us and growing us up in you um, too, Lord. And for uh, this friendship with Kevin, that you would bless it and uh, let us have another great conversation um, about God and our, our uh, surmising what what you really are like, God, because we love talking about you and um, we enjoy your presence. We enjoy your conversation and we enjoy um, the the life you've given us, God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. Good deal. Yes. All right. Well, it was good talking and chatting. Hi. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe to the Seeker of Truth podcast. And also visit our website, seekeroftruth.co, for more information about all of our guests and how you can hear more from them. I pray this conversation encouraged, uplifted, and inspired you to pursue truth at a deeper level.